Saint John of the Cross once said, love consists not in feeling great things, but in having great detachment and in suffering for the beloved. Welcome to the 34th episode of Saint Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because we need to realize the experience of unconditional love isn't always about helping others feel great or in feeling great ourselves, but rather about suffering with those around us for the sake of the beloved. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, how's everybody holding up? I'm not exactly sure when this episode is going to air because there's typically a two-week delay between me recording and the podcast being pushed out, so I don't even really know how bad things are with the coronavirus as you're listening to this, but let's start with a prayer. A prayer together for all of our safety, for the recovery of those who have the virus, for the souls of all who have died, and for the comfort of their family, and for compassion and patience in the face of quarantine, sheltering in place, and social distancing. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. I hope you're all staying safe and keeping all of our elder and immunocompromised sisters and brothers safe. I know it's so hard to be away from mass and confession and our school and communities, but we're in this for the sake of our love of neighbor, and every life we save by social distancing is worth it. At the same time, this time of constant news updates of illness and death, this time of everything closing, schools, churches, restaurants, everything, can be a time of increased anxiety for those of us who live with anxiety every day and for those of us who don't typically live with fear and worry. How can we cope with the anxiety as things continue to get worse all around us? We're going to take a look at some thoughts from Harvard to help get us going. Knowing how to manage your anxiety always takes a little thought. Ask and answer these questions. What typically happens to your body when worries mount? How worried are you? What do you fear the most? What usually helps you handle worries? Try doing these things more. Connect with friends and loved ones through video chats, phone calls, texting, and email. It really helps to feel the strength of your connections to your friends and loved ones, even though you may not be with them in person. And stick with sources of credible medical information so you can avoid misinformation about the virus and the illness it causes. And then try doing these things less. Don't overdose on hype or worry or misinformation. There's no need to stay tuned in 24-7. It can actually make your anxiety much, much worse. In addition to trying to take the common sense precautions we all know about by now, staying away from crowds, washing and sanitizing your hands frequently, practicing social distancing, also consider praying and meditating. Perhaps try some controlled breathing exercises. Google square breathing for a cool example. Let's keep praying for each other like it all depends on God and taking serious precautions like it all depends on us. 
On to the next topic, I received a message from Anonymous, a medical student who wrote, In episode 12 of St. Dipna's Playbook, you suggested that it's best to love and respect our transgender neighbors, relatives, rather than lecturing them on the doctrines of Catholicism. For a healthcare provider taking care of transgender children and adults, what does proper care and loving your patient mean? Should we also address our patients by their new name and preferred pronoun as well? And what are your thoughts as a mental health provider? All right, first off, thanks for thinking of this question. I think there's so much information out there about how we should be in these situations, some of it helpful and some of it less than helpful, and I'm happy to share my thoughts, which are just my opinions based on my experience and my faith. I want to be clear, I'm only sharing that. I'm not trying to define church teaching or anything like that. So let's start by joining together in prayer for everyone going through this experience, for peace and the grace of God to be with them. And for all family members, healthcare professionals, friends, and people in the community, that they may treat everyone with the same love Christ has for them. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Okay, with my little disclaimer at the beginning of the answer, here I go. What does proper care and loving your patient mean? In mental health, at least, this means giving every single individual seeking help unconditional positive regard, non-judgmental active listening, and truly having compassion for them while trying to put ourselves in their shoes. Next, should we address patients by their proper name or preferred name and preferred pronoun? This is probably where some listeners are going to disagree with me, but based on my experience, this is where I'm at. We should definitely address people by their preferred name. We do this for everyone we meet. Why wouldn't we do this for people who are transgender? My birth name is Thomas. I go by Tommy and expect everyone to call me that. Sometimes people call me Thomas, like when things are official, and I usually correct them and say, you can call me Tommy or please call me Tommy. I don't like when people call me Thomas because it's not what I go by. So if people call me Tommy, even though it's not my birth name, why wouldn't we extend the same courtesy to other people, even if they ask to be called a name typically associated with another gender? My basic belief is that people have the right to be called what they want to be called. As far as the pronoun question, I usually try to address everyone I work with by their name. I don't use pronouns because I'm trying to engage in a personal connection with them, and I find using someone's name is most helpful for doing that. I hope that helps. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm here to introduce you to St. Damien of Molokai. In Belgium in 1840, the youngest of seven children, Damien attended college and went on to the novitiate of the Congregation of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Mary rather than taking on the work of the family farm as was expected. Two of his older sisters became nuns and his older brother became a priest. His brother was actually supposed to be the one to go and help in Hawaii but became ill which led to Damien going in his place. It's just amazing how these things work out. For the next 16 years, he worked on the island, caring for those quarantined because of leprosy. When he showed up, he quickly realized that absolute anarchy reigned, but Father Damien provided leadership and helped the colony build homes, schools, and St. Philomena Parish, which still stands today. He ended up contracting leprosy, but continued his hard work until his death in 1889, and he's remembered as a courageous, headstrong, and resilient saint who never feared helping the least among our sisters and brothers. And while most of us don't have to worry 
about helping those with leprosy, he's a great example of the powering of a power of suffering with others, pushing forward in spite of doubts and fear, and just being present with those in need. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer, so here we go. I call upon you to open my heart and mind, to care for the poor, the sick, the weary, and those forgotten. Bestow upon me the inner strength of faith and unconditional compassion to be a disciple of Christ. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. C is first up. Our 16-year-old daughter has had anxiety issues off and on. Recently, she told us she is bisexual and that we make her feel unsafe. We have since been a bit smothering with her, making sure she knows how much we love her and how much God loves her. However, she feels we're trying to stifle her true self, and now she's telling us that we trigger near panic attacks just by talking to her. Any advice on how to help her without letting her spin off in a world that we think might ultimately cause her more pain? Trying to love and be Catholic parents, but from her perspective, those are opposite right now. Thank you so much for sending this question and let's all stop what we're doing and pray together for C, her 16-year-old daughter, and everyone going through these kind of difficult relationship ups and downs. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I don't have teenagers yet. Our oldest is just 10. But I certainly remember being a teenager uh, and then can feel the intense emotions that this situation is bringing up for everyone involved. So first, I'm sorry that this situation has brought so much strife, difficulty, and questioning about how best to move forward. It's so hard. And I really hope that the prayers of everyone listening will allow God to step in and help you in this time of need. I would consider reaching out for help through a therapist for yourself or a couples therapist for yourself and your spouse. A therapist who can work with you to explore all the feelings you're going through and all the difficulties you're having and ensure that you're taking care of yourself as you try to take care of your daughter and family. Next, I would recommend asking your 16-year-old how you can support her and try it out. She's the only one who knows what she needs and allowing yourself to fill that need for her or at least try to fill that need even though it might cause you discomfort might be a move in a direction that brings you closer together. Space and time is also important. Sometimes situations just need to breathe. Sometimes people just need a break. If we desperately try to fix every crisis and problem, big and small, that comes our way, it can absorb us and become all we focus on. And it can start to drive the person we want to be closer with away. Remember, even though you're trying and it doesn't seem to be working, it is most definitely true that love is the answer here. That being said, I think we can often try to make things better by saying things like, this doesn't define who you are for so many different issues that make life complicated. But for those who find an identity and find a community uh, through that identity, these types of comments can sometimes be more harmful than helpful. So when I say love is the answer, I mean uh, an untiring response of no matter what happens in life, our love is unconditional, especially at this stage in life and especially with these kinds of situations. That is so important to hear. Paul stopped by next. How do I try to help my brother who is struggling with bipolar disorder? He doesn't want help or to talk to me or his best friends. Paul, thank you so much for sending this my way. It's something near and dear to my heart since I work with people on this very issue practically every day. Let's start by praying for Paul, his brother, and everyone who wants so badly for their loved ones to seek mental health treatment and feel such heartbreak when they refuse. 
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy toward us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. No matter how many times I work with people in this situation, it continues to break my heart. When a family member or friend brings someone in who's suffering from bipolar disorder, but they don't see it, they don't understand that they're struggling, and they refuse any and all help because they feel like they're doing fine. It's so hard. But I've got a couple ideas. First, look up the local NAMI group in your area, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's a way for you to reach out, get to know other people whose loved ones are living with mental illness, and one, find out real world tips for helping your loved one and two learn what you need to do to help yourself stay healthy oh and three connect with people who understand what you're going through in a way that others can't Next, when we're trying to help a loved one see that they need mental health treatment, we need to stick to objective realities when showing them how things aren't going well. Words like, you just aren't yourself anymore, or I'm really worried about you, seem to be less effective than, let's take a look at how things are going in your life. You aren't working, you're at risk for losing your housing, you're getting involved with the police because of risky behavior. These are objective and have less to do with our emotions and more to do with trying to help them realize how things have been headed in a way that's harder to deny. Last, remember that if your brother wasn't living with bipolar disorder, he would be making different choices. It's so important to remember that things that are happening that might cause you anger or frustration towards your brother are things that are caused by the illness, not him. It's so crucial to keep this in mind as life is happening because getting angry at the person isn't going to help convince them that they need to come in for treatment, but getting angry at the illness and what it's doing in their life might. Anonymous brings us home. I've had depression and anxiety for many years. I also work from home and don't have any kids. Recently, my pet died. Not only did it break my heart, but it triggered extreme anxiety for me losing any human loved ones. I practically monitor my parents just to make sure they're still alive. I'm so scared of what life would be like or look like without them. For the record, I'm in therapy and on medication, and while these are definitely helping, I'm still looking for help from other sources. Do you have any suggestions on how to build my courage or calm my racing? fearful mind. Thank you so much for sending this in, Anonymous. Let's pray for Anonymous and all who are coping with similar situations and trying to find peace. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. First of all, I'm so sorry about the death of your pet. I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't quite understand how devastating this must have been for you, and that's really hard and unhelpful on top of the grief. Next, I have to say how great it is that you're already involved in therapy and taking medication for the symptoms you're coping with right now. It shows a lot of strength, and it's a great sign for us to have hope that you're going to push through this situation step by step and day by day. It's pretty common to experience the death of a loved one and then feel overwhelming fear and anxiety around others in your life dying. I've experienced it myself and the anxiety is really really paralyzing about building your courage i have to say you 
are courageous, you experience anxiety and depression and you're continuing to push forward, continuing to get help. And that's a great example of courage to me. Now, do I have any tips for calming your feel? fearful mind totally. With the help of the grieftoolbox.com and a lot of editorializing from me, let's get into four ways to work on this racing and fearful mind. One, mindful breathing. Practicing breathing when you're not feeling anxious, learning how to slow it down, how to control it, will help you be able to employ this coping mechanism when you are feeling anxious. Two, say no and don't overcommit. When you're coping with anxiety and depression related to grief and worry about the death of a loved one or after experiencing a loss, it's so so important to focus on self-care and part of that is saying no when people ask you to do things or be somewhere it's hard but I'm giving you permission and that rolls us into number three focus on your health take care of yourself work on getting enough sleep eating healthy exercising all of that because it really makes a difference for our mental health when we have our physical health running as well as we can last and probably hardest of all Accept the things you can't control. This is the crux of the whole thing for the specific anxiety you're experiencing, and it's so dang hard. As Grief Toolbox says, if holding on tight and worrying was enough to keep the people we love safe and here on this earth forever, then no loved one would ever be lost. Take a moment to recognize and acknowledge the normalcy of the anxiety and worry you feel. Listen to the message it's sending you, and then work to release the need to hold on and control the things you can't control. Rather than living in dread of more loss, and instead of holding on to the people we love in fear, let loss be a reminder to treasure the people in your life who remain. God bless you, and hang in there. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.